realize when the Lord is speaking, you know how you can have your thoughts and, and your ideas and you're going a certain direction. But as you're going in that direction, it's like it's not clicking. It's not working out. It's not coming together. And a lot of times when I uh, as I'm developing a sermon, what I believe the Lord has put on my heart to share, he gives me a word. And then as I'm developing it, it just kind of clicks and moves and moves. And but this time this week. I felt like what the Lord had put on my heart. And so I was moving in that direction and I was trying to develop it, but I was stuck. It just wouldn't it wouldn't flow every time I'd spend time with the Lord. And say, okay, I think I know what you want me to say. And I try to develop it. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't jive. It wouldn't come together. And then I recognized something. I was like, oh, I get it, Lord. I was off. My idea was off. I said, what are you wanting to say to your body? And as soon as I opened up that way, then boom. It just clicked. And so I feel like the Lord... I firmly believe the Lord has given me a word for this body this morning, and I just want you to open your hearts to hear. And I'm encouraged because of a lot of what was shared already this morning confirms it's along the same lines in the same direction. First Peter, chapter four. Starting with verse seven. Reading in uh, first NLT, the New Living Translation, it says the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, in other words, the end is coming soon. Therefore, here's what you need to do, basically. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers, period. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. In the Amplified Translation, it says, verse 7, But the end and culmination of all things has now come near. Keep sound-minded and self-restrained and alert, therefore, for the practice of prayer. And this was, this was stated close to 2,000 years ago. And they were, the Spirit was saying, obviously the Holy Spirit had them put this in there. So how much more today are we closer to the end? You know, when you start hearing and seeing of rockets flying over Israel to and from, it's like, uh oh, you know, it gets our attention, especially those of us who who value the word of God, because we know that Israel is a center of what's going on and what's going to be going on in the end times. I mean, everything revolves around that nation. And so every time an upheaval happens or 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 conflict happens, I'm sure we all think, is this it? Is this it? It may be and it may not be. But regardless, right here, the word of God says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And my prayer is that we don't take that because, of course, everybody would agree with that. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. It's like, yeah, it's almost rhetorical, redundant. But we need the Holy Spirit to move on our hearts where that is not just a redundant, a cliche, just a rhetorical statement anymore. And we have to answer the call to pray. How many of you would believe that we are close to the end times? I mean, it's getting pretty close. 
And whether it's a year, five years, ten years, fifty years, or a hundred years, we need to pray. Turn over to, to uh, Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2. And in the weeks to come, we will, weeks to come, yeah, that was good. Hope there are no English teachers here. In the weeks to come, we will be looking at First, first Peter more in depth because there's some more stuff out of there. Uh, but I feel like the Lord saying this morning that he wants us to hone in on, on prayer. That that's the main point he's wanting to get across in our hearts this morning. First Timothy chapter two. Verse one. You know, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version first and then the, the New Living Translation. New King James verse 1 says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. There he's talking about prayer again. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And I'm reading in, in a new living translation it says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. So we need to be praying for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now, I want you to let that burn in your heart right now. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Give thanks for them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Because look at the next verse. It says in verse two, pray this way. Which way? The way that was described in verse one. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Let me say that again. Pray this way, as described in verse 1, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may live a peaceable and quiet life, peaceable and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So why are we praying? First of all, it pleases God. And second, he wants everyone to be saved and come to the truth. Now, I want to home back in on verse two. Pray this way for kings. Do we have a king in our country besides Jesus? We have a president, don't we? Some of us voted for him. Some of us didn't. Regardless of your political stance, your ideology, your opinions, you know, right here, we are not asked to take those into consideration as we're instructed to pray this way for kings. So we're to pray for, obviously, we're going to stick in president because we have presidents here, not kings. But how we're to pray for our president, verse one, ask God to help him. 
intercede on his behalf and give thanks for him. Yeah, I had two eyebrows go up when I read that. You know, in the last election, not this current one, but um, four years ago when we had the election, I got really caught up in it. I got overly caught up in it. I got out of balance. I mean, I was, my soul was consumed with all that was going on. And I was dialed in. Every time I got in my vehicle, I was dialed into the political news talk radio and listen to all this kind of stuff. And, of course, they, they talk favorably for who they're for. And they talk disfavorably for who they're against. And my attitude was right along with it. I was thinking how stupid, how ignorant, how dumb, how messed up these people are. And I was getting attitudes and I was in agreement and everything. And that went on for some time. And then the Holy Spirit started talking to me. And he didn't say, you're right. Amen, brother. That was not the dialogue that we had. I wish. But I had that warm, loving sensation come over me like I'm about to get spanked. You know how you sit with your child on the edge of the bed? I love you. You know that, right? And they're looking at you. I wish you'd love me without that belt, Dad. But he began to convict me. And I knew where he was going because I knew better. But it's like, well, I really didn't care at the time because I was in agreement with what these people were saying. And it felt so good to hear it and say, yeah, amen. Yeah, they, well, I wouldn't say an amen because it wasn't a church sermon or anything like that. But I was in wholehearted agreement. But the Lord began to convict me. And he brought me to these verses right here and showed me what my attitude needed to be and what I needed to be doing. And he reminded me, and I I appreciate Cornell bringing out the word last week. And if you were not here, or if you were here, if you were here, listen to it again. It's on the internet. If you were not here, I would encourage you to listen to that sermon again that Cornell brought. How we need to stand. Okay, the election happened. The results came in. This is where we are. What are we going to do? We need to stand. Stand firm. You know, the interesting thing about this, where Paul says, when he's writing this letter to Timothy, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Now, I've been researching a little bit, and I've heard this before, and, and, and if, I'm, if I'm wrong, if someone would correct me, you history buffs, if you would correct me and... and um, so that I can make sure I got this right and I can share right. But when Paul wrote this, Nero was the king. And Nero was a bad man. He was a very wicked man. Matter of fact, what he would do, one of the things he would he did a lot of wicked stuff, but one of the things he would do is he would make Christians, he'd have them put on these wax shirts, these shirts dipped in wax, coated in wax. And then he would set them on fire and use them to light his garden area. Not a nice guy, is he? 
Now, this man was the one in power who was the king. And Paul is saying, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. And the people he was writing to knew who was the king. Verse one, he's saying, ask God to help them. He's saying to intercede on their behalf and to give thanks for them. It's a strange perspective, isn't it? I mean, this man is wicked and I'm being commanded by God because Paul didn't write this. The Holy Spirit wrote this through Paul. Amen. I mean, we need to settle that fact that this is this Bible is not just some a book of of words and everything written by man that we can take or leave if we want. But those of us who are born again Christians and we believe and have submitted our lives to Jesus Christ. I was about to lift up my iPad. (laughs) Yeah, this thing right here is what we need to submit to. Like Cornell was doing last week. Are we committed to this? Oh, mighty Apple. We give allegiance to you. Almost did the same thing, Cornell. <laughs> we got to listen to this. Okay, but the word of God, whether it's digital or on paper, it is the word of God. It is our authority. Infallible. Even if your app doesn't work correctly. But we need to understand that this is what the Lord is saying to us. He spoke it through Paul. Pray then this way for kings and all who are in authority. I.e. Nero. Ask God to help him. Intercede on his behalf and give thanks for him. Verse 4. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? God wanted Nero to be saved. God wants every man, every woman, every person to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the perspective that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see and gain and understand. Now, I'm not in any way comparing our current president to Nero. Please don't misunderstand that. And I'm not even trying to paint that kind of a light on him. But what I'm saying is we do not have an excuse. If we had such a wicked president, if we had a dictator who was like that, we still would not have an excuse. The word of God right here says to pray, to intercede. God loves that person and wants him saved and to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. In light of that, how does your attitude need to change? You know, even when I'm for a president. I still wasn't committed to praying for them. I mean, maybe flippantly. Oh, yeah, I know we need to pray for our our leaders. But we need to embrace this as a mandate, church. And I think we can even understand. Okay, I'll say, oh, hang on, it's coming. (laughs) So here we go. You know, but things are culminating. Things are, are they seem to be accelerating as far as where the world's going. And some of you are familiar with the Mayan calendar and and how things are supposed to end this year. I actually don't believe that the world's going to end, but I believe there's going to be something shift. I believe there's going to be a big shift. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I believe there's going to be some major changes. And unfortunately, well, no, not unfortunately, but we can sit here in Oklahoma. Thank God for that. In our wonderful, comfortable environment. 
and stay calm and, and even though we know things are getting bad and think, well, you know, someday I'll do something about it. But what if we were to talk to people in, on the East Coast right now? Those who are still without electricity. Those who had their lives turned upside down three weeks ago. If you were to talk to them about the times coming to an end and things going crazy, they would be in wholehearted agreement because they're experiencing some very tragic circumstances, wouldn't you say? We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for those who are in leadership, his team, the cabinet, congressmen, senators, all that kind of stuff. Our allegiance needs to shift from that of America or our native country, and it needs to shift to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God needs to be our number one allegiance. And we need to recognize that we are in a temporary, I'm a temporary citizen of the United States. Because if Jesus tarries, I may have 50 plus years left as a citizen here, but I'm going to be a citizen forever in his kingdom. And that's the perspective that Paul is talking and praying from. He was a man that that had a, a very clear understanding and a picture of heaven. He got to see glimpses of it. And see, it can be very difficult in our circumstances are, when I say peaceful, I mean, even though we're going through trials and everything and we, we, we have challenges day to day, but overall, we have electricity. We got food. Or we have places we can go and eat. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're not cold right now. We're not sitting in the dark without electricity. And so being in our condition, it can be very hard to take the times seriously. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, as we were praying this morning in pre-service prayer, and I, I really thank you, those who were there this morning, I really appreciate you, you praying out and sharing your heart and praying, because to me it was confirming what the Lord's been burning in my, in, my, in my heart. But we have to be careful because what's about to come as far as the holidays are upon us. And what do we typically do as Americans for the holidays? Or, excuse me, Christians, what do we typically do? We check out for about a month, don't we? Everything's on hold. Ministry, this, that, everything's on hold. Oh, no, we can't do anything because it's the holidays. I'm sure even heaven's taking a break. Of course, that's silly, but that's how we view it. And everything stops and we get so focused on the temporary on Thanksgiving, on Christmas, on the shopping, on Black Friday, or now it's Black Thursday. Everything's black. <laughs> and it's not that those things are bad or wrong in and of themselves, but they can be a distraction. And I know I've gotten distracted because I know everything would tend to revolve around the month of the end of November to the end of December into the first of January, and then you start cranking things back up. And now, whether we do that occupationally or vacationally or whatever, I want to submit to you that we cannot do that prayerfully. We cannot check out for the next month and say, okay, you know what, we need to be praying, but I'll get back to you 
January 1st. No, excuse me. That's a holiday. How dare you even consider that? And of course, the second I have to recover from the first. So we'll start praying on the third. You know, as I was saying before, last spring, I think, is when it really started kicking up, was when the Lord was really putting on my heart prayer. It's just been stirring up, picking up momentum. And then we had a, a wonderful time of prayer focus, turning to God back in September, October, uh, September and October, or whenever that time was. But I don't think the Lord was saying, okay, that's good. You can stop now. I think he's encouraging us with lifestyle. Lifestyle. We need to keep moving. We need to... Keep being more aggressive and, and gaining momentum in prayer. I want to ask you, I want to take a poll and ask you this question concerning the tribulation. You know, there are three general major views, you know, pre-trib. People believe that we're going to be taken up before the tribulation happens. That's one view. Another view is mid-trib. We're going to go through half of the tribulation, the churches, and then we'll be taken up halfway through. You know, because Israel, there'll be a peace covenant for seven years, but then three and a half years, it gets broken, all this kind of stuff. So halfway through, then we're out of here. And then there's the post-trib. Those poor people who believe that we're going to have to go through the whole seven years, and then we'll be taken up. To be with the Lord. He'll meet us. However that plays out. My poll that I want to take is I want to ask you. There's three views. Maybe you've never thought of it before. But I want everybody to vote. Okay. I want you to vote. Which view do you hold to? Now not which one you're hoping for. Because I know which one I'm hoping for. But which view do you agree with? If you, if you believe in the pre-trib. Raise your hand please. Pre-trib. Okay. Uh, those of you who believe in mid-trib. Raise your hand. Got a few takers. Okay. And those of post-trib believe we're going to go through the whole thing. All right. Now, who's not voting? Now, come on now. Yeah, no trib. <laughs> yeah, no trib. I thought the Holy Spirit wanted me to address this this morning. And this, this kind of burned to me. And I wasn't even thinking about this. Um, I remember years ago when I was a, uh, after I became a Christian, shortly thereafter, I used to watch the Christian channel 24-7 just about. I mean, I was so hungry, fell in love with Jesus. He had my full attention. Hope he still does. And I was just going after him. And then I discovered somehow TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. And man, I just sucked that stuff down all the time when I wasn't studying for school. But anyway, and I remember one day Paul Crouch had three men on there. I can't remember, I can only remember one name, but I'm not going to mention any names. But three men that the church held in high esteem. I mean, they were godly men that we all respect. Uh, I think at least one of them has, is with the Lord now. Uh, but anyway, these were men that had a, a godly reputation, good reputation, loved the Lord. And, but they have three different views. Prid, me, me. <laughs> Pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And so Paul Crouch had the first guy get up and share his views and explanation of why he believes in the mid-trib, excuse me, the pre-tribulation. 
Come on now. And so this guy got up and shared and explained. And see, at that time, I didn't have any opinion. I didn't. I was just barely in the kingdom. So I was just learning this stuff. And this guy got up and shared. And he, he probably shared for about 10, 15 minutes and shared scriptures. Boom, boom, boom. And shared it all. And it was awesome. I'm like, dude, sign me up for that one. I'm all aboard. I said, OK, I know what I believe now. And then the second guy got up. He believed in mid trip and he shared all these scriptures. Some of the scriptures were the same ones that the first guy shared. And he shared these scriptures and he shared all this stuff and he shared his view and everything. And I said, oh, take my lit and my name off the first list. I'm voting for this one. I believe in the mid trip. Then the third guy got up to the same thing. And I was like, wait a minute. And after he shared, I was like, okay, I believe him. And then I was confused. I thought, wait a minute. And then Paul Crouch, you know, he had him sit down. And you know how he sits there in interviews and talks to him and everything. He said, you know what? All of you guys shared it was very compelling. It was very good and everything. He said, but I have a problem. All of you sounded right, but you all can't be right. So I'm more confused now than I was before I had you guys come on the show. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, tell them, Paul, get them. They just messed everything up. And then it was so cool because the Holy Spirit, I believe, put in my heart the same thing that he told that Paul Crouch spoke. He told me first, of course. And what, what rose up in my spirit is just be ready. Because it doesn't matter if, if you're not ready, <laughs> that's not going to be good. I can promise you that it won't be good. But my concern is, and this is why I'm bringing this up. My concern is, now, my, my ideology is I'm praying for the pre-trib to happen, but I'm preparing for the post-trib to happen. It's like, oh, come on, Jesus, take me out of here. So I'm hoping the pre-tribbers are right. I want that. Yes. That's my confession. <laughs> That's going to do a lot of good, right? <laughs> but anyway, I remember years ago, I remember hearing this story, either read it or heard, I can't remember, um, of, of some doctrine that was, that was shared in China amongst the Christians, young Christians and very impressionable Christians, and, and they were sharing a doctrine. And they were, it was basically about... Um, now, I don't know if they were specifically talking about the, the rapture, that kind of thing. But basically what they came away with was believing that they as Christians were not going to go through the tribulation. They're not going to go. So, of course, they embraced it. They, they were excited about it and they were happy. It's like, praise God, this is all good. And then all of a sudden in China, persecution began to come and hit the church hard. People were killed. People were thrown in prison. You know, all that kind of stuff. We know how that is, how it can be. Like that. And a number of these Christians who believed and grabbed a hold of that doctrine, they became disillusioned. Because they saw, wait a minute, because their view on the word of God was all of a sudden invalid because they were going through the tribulation, as they thought. See, they thought they weren't going to be going through any persecution. Now, obviously, it wasn't the tribulation, but they thought it was because they were being persecuted severely. And as a result, many of them turned away from the Lord. They washed out in their faith because of that bad doctrine. And what I mean by bad doctrine, it could be right as far as the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and that kind of stuff. It could be right. One of them is, I think. 
But what concerns me in our country is, see, we have a tendency to view Scripture through our experience. See, me sharing this, this sermon here in Oklahoma would be differently received if I were to go to the East Coast and share the same thing. If I were to go to New Jersey or, or on the coast over there. Now, that doesn't mean that the tribulation is happening. They might think so. But the fact that when we go through suffering, which we're not used to in America, we are not used to suffering. We do not understand. You know, so you brothers and sisters, you come from another country, you come from Africa or you come from India or you come from China or wherever you come from. And you know of or you've experienced or you're familiar with suffering at a level that we as Americans don't understand. And so what can happen is we embrace a theology that sounds good, feels good, agrees with my current circumstances. Which includes no suffering, no tribulation. I'm all for that. And then what can happen when all hell breaks through loose and you're going through tribulation and it could happen here in the United States. I personally think it is. But if you are sold out on the opinion that I'm not supposed to be going through this, but you find yourself going through it, then what are you going to do? You can say this is a bunch of lies. And that really concerns me because I feel like the church in America, we're soft. I'm speaking to me. We're soft. It's not that it's our fault. It's not like we have to go out and make ourselves suffer so we get hardened or harder or whatever. I'm not saying that. But that's why we need to pray, church. Because we need to become kingdom minded. We need to become eternally minded and not temporarily minded. Because all this temporary stuff is starting to be shaken. And it's going to get shaken even harder. You know, I was thinking, now I'm not saying this to be silly, but I was thinking the other day about uh, a thought across my mind about those, like, let's say, in New Jersey, New York, wherever they are, and they don't have electricity. In, you know, like, seven, I think I saw on the news the other night, I don't know how current that was, but it's like 70,000 people still without power or whatever, which means there's a whole region, which means that the, Cell phone towers are out in that region, which means they don't have cell phone. That means no iPad, no iPod, no Internet and all that kind of stuff. Now, that may sound silly because we're in our circumstances. But imagine our electricity being off, our communication being gone, not just for a day. But for weeks. Everything would change. Everything that we're used to, everything that we're leaning upon, everything that we've we've come to hold dearly to. All of a sudden, gone. Then where are we going to be? Oops. Got to turn my stuff off. So our allegiance, our focus, our heart needs to shift. And prayers is, I believe prayer is what's going to cause that to happen. When I get in God's presence and I allow Him and I, I ask Him to change my heart, to change my focus... And one thing I want to make clear, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a view on pre, mid, or post-trib. Study the Word. But what I'm, my encouragement on that whole situation is, be ready. We need to be ready. And we're not going to be ready by the particular doctrine. We're going to be ready by clinging to Jesus. 
hiding under the shadow of the Almighty, getting in His presence, letting Him deal with my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my, my fear. Fear of man, fear of circumstances, fear of whatever. The Bible talks about in the last days fear running rampant and people's hearts failing because of fear. You know, I was watching some news clips of, of, of missiles flying over Israel and, and people, excuse me, people uh, jumping out of their cars and running and, and hiding next to walls and everything. I thought, man, that is so strange. I can't imagine that. I mean, imagine all of a sudden the sirens are going off here in Stillwater, not tornado sirens. We can deal with tornadoes. I mean, we got those covered, right? <laughs> but all of a sudden, bomb sirens go off, and all of a sudden, bombs are blowing up and everything. I mean, can you imagine something like that? But that could become a reality. And the main point is, is not us protecting ourselves. That's not what we need to be concerned about. Because if we get taken out, or when we get taken out, whether we die of natural causes, something happens to us, we become martyred, or, or Jesus comes back... We are going to be with him. But there are people that you and I know that are going to go straight to hell. And remember in the scriptures earlier, it says God desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Including Nero, including our current president or any presidents we have or anybody we know. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they don't have any hope. And we can't go running and hiding in fear, looking after our own selves, when there are people out there who need to hear the gospel. And when things start shaking even more, they need to see in us, Christians, they need to see people who are going through the same circumstances, but not moved like they are. Not with fear in their countenance and, and, and oh, no, what am I going to do? And, and, oh, it's just me and mine and, and everybody else, leave me alone and I'm protecting my family. We can't have the same attitude that they're going to have. We can't have the same heart and move the same way. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're drawn close to him and we let him deal with us. The Lord gave me something years ago, years ago, years ago. Put something in me, and he said, "Get to know me. Eat, get to know me now, while it's easy." And at first, I didn't understand that, but I understand that now. See what what's going to happen when things get really bad is all of a sudden the churches will fill up. But then, when things get good again, then the churches get empty again. Have we seen that here in the United States? And Cornell asked a question last week. He said, church, do we believe this stuff? Talking about the word. Do we really believe this stuff? Because there's going to come a point in time, I believe, in the church. Especially if or when persecution starts happening. When you letting people know that you're a Christian starts causing you harm. Socially, economically, uh, physically then who's going to still assemble in the churches? Or who's going to still walk with the Lord and not hide their identity? I'll tell you who's not going to. Pretenders. Pretenders. Or carnal Christians. Those who, are, who love God when everything's going well. 
Everything's going good. God, we're tight. It's all good. But things start going bad. Why have you forsaken me? So my heart that I believe the Lord's wanting to convey is we need to pray. We need to pray like never before. And we need to worship. We, you know, we need to have family worship times, have times, just individual worship time where we are. It needs to become habitual. We need to become religious about it, so to speak. And I mean that in a good way. In other words, we need to become conditioned to worship God at the drop of a hat. To pray. And I'm talking about as a family, not just on Sunday mornings. I mean, we want more here. But it's easier here because everybody's doing it. But at home, when you got the game on, it's like, oh, man, I don't. Ah. Hold on one more quarter. Or you got activity going on in your home. Or you just don't feel like it. Just laying there. And it's like, we need to say, okay, it's time. You know, the alarm goes off. Guys, it's time. It's time to come into the living room. We're just going to worship Jesus. We're going to love on him for a while. We're going to praise the family. We need to do that now while it's easy because it's still easy. I don't know what it's going to look like January 1st in America. It may look different. It may feel different. It may. But I don't want to wait till January 1st and all of a sudden you look outside and everything's crazy. And then, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Go after it. Because then it's going to be too late. Because your soul is going to be so full of fear and everything and emotions and all that kind of stuff that you're going to move to anything that looks convenient and comfortable. That's what you're going to gravitate to. And that could be the wrong thing. But if we learn to hear him, what he's saying, what is he saying to me right now? He may say, stay in your house today. Do not leave your house today. But God, you're giving away free resources and free supplies at the corner of such and such and such and such. I got to go get food for my family. And then you go, speaking hypothetically, you go to that location on your way, you get taken out by something. See, we can't be moved by convenience. Comfort, ease, but that's how we operate now. I know I do. We've got to tune into his spirit. We've got to tune into him. Church, we've got to pray in tongues like we never have before. And I'm not ashamed to say that. We need to pray in the spirit. We need to grab a hold of him. We need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith because we have to be men and women of faith. Not emotion. Amen? You know, Cornell mentioned earlier in the announcements that we will, uh, the, the last Wednesday of this month, we're going to have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, child care. But also, something's been rolling around in my heart, and I'm not sure if this is the Lord or not. I'm not going to say the Lord told me to do this, but it's an idea and hasn't gone away yet. But I'm going to throw it out there anyway, because I'm going to start doing this. I want to invite you to join me on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m. to pray. 6.30 A.M., not P.M. P.M.'s easy, right? I like P.M., by the way. I come alive in the P.M. But I want to start starting this week, this Wednesday. Now, I know some people may be gone or whatever. I'm going to be here 630 this Wednesday. Just pray. God, I need you. I need help. Let's begin to pray. Build ourselves up. Now, throughout the holidays and everything, we'll have to navigate it and everything because I know there will be time when we'll be we just have to figure all that out. But I just want to say we need to come and pray. We need to start praying. We need to seek the Lord. And so I want to invite you to three things that we have. 
Sunday morning, pre-prayer from 9 to 9.45. I would love for that place to get so full that we have to meet outside or something. Or in here. I want to join you to invite, I want to invite you to join us to pray. Wednesday morning, 6.30. The reason why I say 6.30 because that way those of you who have to be at work at 8, you have time to come join us from 6.30 to 7.30. And then also Wednesday night, uh, the last Wednesday of this month. And we're going to continue to do that on a monthly basis. And when it comes to prayer, I don't have it all figured out how to do it effectively all the time. But I know I'm learning, I'm growing. I'm hearing his voice a whole lot easier. And there's so much comfort in that. When he tells you to do something and you do it and you see the results, it's like, wow, that was God. That was really God. Would you stand with me? It's kind of hard to invite people and be encouraged and, and, and fired up about, you know, prayer like Wednesday morning and not make you feel like you have to be there. And then if you're not there, then you don't love Jesus. Okay, good. And so my heart, my intent is not to make you feel, you know, not to share a sermon and say, okay, now if you heard what I'm saying, that means you're going to be there Wednesday morning. That is not my intent at all. My heart is to make an opportunity for us to come and pray. You need to make opportunities for yourself. You need to pray. You need to, okay, God, I'm going to start getting up and spending time with you. I'm going to start being intentional in seeking you. Whether you come to a corporate prayer meeting or not, you need to be praying. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen.